Philippians 4.1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. So he's been writing this letter to them. But it's interesting to me that he calls them his joy and crown. He does this also in 1 Thessalonians where he says, For what is our hope, our joy, our crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? Is it not you? And I, I was thinking, well, okay, when I stand before the Lord, what is it that I actually am thinking that I could present to him? And in some ways, Paul's saying, it's my relationships. It's the people that I've invested in. So the question obviously becomes to us is like, who am I going to be able to stand before the Lord and say, I poured into this life? You know, if, if people are our crown, so to speak, you know, a lot of times we get hung up on, well, I, I worked really hard and I made this and I built this and I established this and anything to be able to hand the Lord, it's the lives that I've poured into others, you know. And so then, you know, I come back and I'm starting to look at it and say, okay, who, who am I truly investing in enough? Now, somebody would go next door and just shut that bell off. But no, <laughs> that would help me. Um, we started to complain one day, and they, they mentioned something about our drums. So <laughs> we... Uh, wasn't worth bothering with after that. So, fair enough. We're done. Enjoy those things. Our crown. Who is your crown? Who, who are you pouring your life into that you could stand before the Lord and say, I invested in this? You know, this is the fruit that I'm bringing, so to speak. Interesting concept, isn't it? What's really important within the kingdom? Let's go on. I entreat Yodia and Syntyche to agree in the Lord. They, were, they had worked with him, but apparently they were in a snit with each other. How would you like it if the only thing that got you into Scripture was a fight? <laughs> you know, you're kind of going, that is not good. <laughs> Your name is going to be remembered forever. You're going to be in the Scripture. It's because you were bickering with somebody over something worthless. And he's just saying, please, you know, girls, (laughs) you've participated in ministry. It's time to just chill. But it's like, okay, well, how many other... How how often could we get our names... (laughs) into the scriptures, so to speak, in regard to such a thing. And you're just kind of going, no, in the long run, it's just not worth the bother that way. There are... He goes and says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. It's one of the first verses that kids learn. And I look at that and I'm going, this man is applying his faith, right? He's applying Christianity. And he's at a place, he's sitting in jail while writing this. But also, you need to know about his life that, you know, there's in Galatians, it mentions that he had been three years in Damascus, kind of 
off on the sidelines after, after he first came to the Lord. In the second chapter of Galatians, it says that after 14 years, he had kind of gotten into things. So close to 20 years of obscurity before actual ministry that's noted through the scriptures. And so when you start tracking that, you're going, this guy's had plenty of time to hone his belief in the Lord and kind of figure things out. But then he's on this page, he's sitting in prison, and he's saying, rejoice. He's telling him, you have some choice in this. You have some ability in the Lord to allow your life to, to take on celebration. You know, regularly, we kind of look at the circumstances around us, and we start letting them grind us to the place where we, you know, well, I, yes, I've been having depression, but it's, you know, if you knew my life. Well, this guy went through a, a great deal, and yet he's still saying, this can be a part of our lives, a celebratory lifestyle, so to speak. And so he says, rejoice. And then he, you know, repeats it for emphasis. No, I said, Rejoice. You know, how do you tell him, well, you don't know, and he's, you're talking to somebody who's sitting in jail because of his belief. You know, the, in the first time that the Philippians met him, I mean, he's thrown in jail at midnight. I mean, I wish I was that joyful. Truth is, I'm not. <laughs> at least she didn't say amen out loud, you know. But, yeah, preach it. <laughs> But, you know, it's like, what are you choosing? What are you choosing to do? If, if God is truly transforming your heart, maybe it's time to be saying, help me to have a different outlook on things. Help me to begin chasing this thing differently than what I have. From there, he goes on, let your reasonableness be known to everyone, and, and a lot of translations say moderation. But it's that, that idea of um, restraining your passions and, you know, living, taking things and putting them under control, so to speak. So again, he's going, you don't have to let life force you down this path. In the Lord, you have opportunity to start setting some boundaries of the parameters that you want to live within. And so he's saying, you know, you don't want to get swept away this way and that with the things, you know, just turning your passions loose and letting them drive you. It doesn't bear good fruit in the end. So he's saying you need to evaluate and sort things through and walk this path. The uh, Barnes notes, it said... Uh, a general soberness of living. I mean, we even hate that word, right? But in the day, they're saying there's a value to, to establishing your life in a way that you, when you're looking at things and saying, I'm not going to get swept up too far this way or that. But I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to be all the time dabbling in the excesses. By the grace of God, I'm going to allow him to teach me a discipline that walks through life. Is a, a self-control that he says, this is available to us. 
this is what he's picked up over the 20 years that he's kind of been on the sidelines. He's, he's the man that in zeal was putting others to death before he came to Christ. And so he's had to look back at that and say, how did I get caught up in that excess? How did I get down that path? What will cause me to live differently? And so he, these are, this is part of his advice, so to speak. And then he goes on to say, don't be anxious about anything, but with everything, with prayer and supplication or petition, in some translations, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. There's a, a passage in Ezekiel, the 36th chapter, where God's telling the Israelites, before he hauls them off, and they have lots of trouble, he says, you know, this place is going to be desolate. But he's, then he goes, and then he comes back and he says, but I'm going to reestablish it. He says, the cities that have been knocked down and destroyed, I'm going to reestablish them. The land that's been just trashed, he says, I'm going to cause things to grow again. And then he, he tells them that, but he also says, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I will allow the house sheep. He's saying, this is what's in my heart, but I'm going to allow them to ask me to make these changes and it's going to happen. He says, your people are going to be like the sheep in Jerusalem on, on a holiday when everybody's coming to sacrifice. They're going to be, people are going to be everywhere, and the place is going to be rebuilt. Interesting picture. Back to Philippians. Whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's anything of excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What have you learned or received or heard of me, put into practice. So he's saying, turn your thoughts this direction, but also put your practice into what you're seeing. You know, what the insights that you get follow through. It's frustrating, isn't it, when somebody comes and asks you for advice or talks to you, and what do you think I ought to do, and you lay it out, and, you know, you should have seen this, but, you know, just here's what I think. And they go, well, thank you, and then nothing. And you go, quit messing with me or taking my time if you have no interest in listening. But it's like he's saying there are certain things that if you put your mind into, and if you allow yourself in the Lord to focus. Some years ago, I, I got into a particular author and I wrestle with whether I should even be reading fiction at times, but I was into a fiction author, and I'd read virtually everything he'd written. And one day, I'm, I'm sitting on a couch, and I'm going, how come things just don't work out the way they're supposed to? How come it's such a fight? Well, in this guy's writings, uh, generally, they were short books, and so you had 150 pages of disaster, and three pages of resolution. You know, and after a while, I, you know, it, you come to terms, you're saying, I'm adopting this guy's mindset. I'm embracing what he's writing, and I'm taking that on as my own. And so then, from that point on, you're, you're having to be more careful and say, I'll give, it's very valuable when you pick up a book to say, Lord, should I read this or not? You'll get an answer. 
And there are times when it's yes, and sometimes it's just set it down, or sometimes it's set it down for a while. But there's, there's something inside of you that, that will respond and say, it's the right time. And, you know, I message that comes through is more powerful than, than what I read in anything else. But that's just reading. You know, when's the last time you read a book that you didn't have to? Well, some of you, you won't for years. But trust me, it'll kick back in again later. Um, but then, you know, we do the same thing with our media. We can, you know, the TV's almost obsolete now, right? Because we can go find whatever we want. But it, it, at the same time, I just would encourage you, if you're trying to apply this particular passage, whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, you know, whatever is valuable is what he's saying. That's where you put your energy. And if, you know, the old phrase, garbage in, garbage out, if, if you feed yourself with trash all the time, don't expect good results. That's essentially what he's saying. And so, in the Lord, we have an opportunity to make the most of our lives by allowing him to develop discipline within us that chases the good. And so, you know, Paul's, he's, he's had these experiences in the Lord, and he's trying to give them his best. You know, you, you don't want to walk in, in argument with each other all the time. You don't want to walk in depression all the time. You don't want to feel like you're always wasted. Well, you're going to have to invest in some valuable things. The fruit of that over time is that it pays off. You know, it may not be in the moment, but the continual investment is something that is well worth the bother. Enough that. He goes on, and he actually is beginning to close out his book, and he goes back to him, and he says, I really want to give you thanks for the, what, the help that you gave me, you know, where they had invested in him. He says, I, I rejoice that you were able to revive your concern for me. And he, he goes on and says, this nugget comes out of his life. He says, I've learned how to be content. Whether I have a lot or a little, I, I've found the secret of, of being happy in the Lord. Interesting. You know, we're, we think if, if I can gather enough around me, then I'll be happy. And that's part of our culture's teaching. But he's going, it doesn't matter to me. That's why he's able to say from jail, rejoice. And so he's just saying, I've, I've learned this. I, I've learned the secret of strength. He says, in the Lord, I can handle all of these situations. But he says, it really was kind of you to share with me. You entered into a partnership with me in giving and receiving. And in some ways, whenever we invest in another, it becomes a partnership, right? It's a, a beautiful thing. Okay. And he goes on and says, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So he says, Sometimes I have a lot, sometimes I have a little, but I have this constant that says God will provide what I need. So he has a, a great confidence, not in having enough stored away 
to weather a bad day or planning successfully to, you know, steward everything that comes. But he says, ultimately, I know that God is going to take care and provide final greetings, and then he's done. What a beautiful thing, huh?